Um, we're going to attempt to do something I don't remember ever doing. We're going to tackle four chapters tonight. Four. Which is good because on Sunday we're going to tackle four verses. But today, tonight, four chapters. <clears throat> so get your sleeping bags and pillows out. <coughs> and we'll be ready to go. Alright, so a preface to what we're going to talk about is in Deuteronomy 20, um, in which Moses instructs Israel, when you go to battle against your enemies, and you see horses and chariots, and people more numerous than you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> do not be afraid of them, <coughs> for the Lord your God is with you, <clears throat> and brought you from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when there are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. What I want you to see specifically here is that they were told when they get to see the chariots, what were they supposed to do? <clears throat> do not fear them. Just go. Staying in chapter 20, look at verse um, 16. So remember that. They were supposed to not fear the chariots. Verse 16. The cities of these people which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord has commanded you. Why? Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. So we got to remember those two instructions. One, not to fear even if they have chariots. And two, to not let anything that breathes remains, because if you do, they're going to turn you to their gods, because that's how fickle uh, the Israelites and human nature is. All right, so now let's go to Joshua 16. Verse 1. The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel. So this is what these four chapters are all about. It's where the lot falls for the tribes of Israel and the lands that they're going to inherit. So they inherited their lands basically by lot. So by lot is basically random selection, except that we know from Scripture that with God, there's no such thing as random. So if you look at Proverbs chapter 16, it gives you a little bit of insight to the process of casting lots. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So the way of casting lots, I know that, I don't, I don't know all the methods that they use, but I do know one 
in which they would have a, a bottle with a very thin neck with a rounder uh, bottom of the bottle. And you could put stones in there, maybe a white stone and a darker black stone. or And the white stone would mean yes and the black stone would mean no. Or you would put um, maybe if you had eight men and you would put seven white stones and one black stone or vice versa. And then whichever one the odd stone fell onto, that would be the one designated by God. There were two uh, main places where there were lots cast in the Bible. One was in uh, Acts when they were replacing uh, Judas as an apostle. There were two men, Matthias and another, who were qualified to be that apostle. So the Bible says they casted lots and the lot fell on Matthias. But it wasn't like flipping a coin. It is the, the, the sovereign God who determines where the coin lands. And I'm sure there was prayer and fasting and then saying, God, whatever lot you want, we are, we ask you to do that. And so the other one was, if you remember when Jonah was on the ship and the ship was caught in the storm, they actually casted lots on the ship to determine which person was causing this. They all had different, it was interesting because they all had different gods and different beliefs. But the lot falls on on Jonah, and he has to tell them. So uh, turn to Proverbs 18.18. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. So you have maybe some people wanted Matthias, some people wanted the other guy, and... Casting lots made the choice God's choice instead of having, because I've heard um, in some countries there's quite a bit of controversy during uh, elections of their politicians. Have you ever heard that? That our civil society of the United States of America would never get that way. But I've heard in other countries elections can be quite tense and, and aggressive. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. So uh, it would be great just to take all the candidates they don't need a debate and just ask God which one you want and cast the lots and let God decide and but that would never fly obviously but so let's go back to uh, Joshua so the lots are 16, 17, 18 is we are in 19 we're seeing the results of how the lots fell and it would be really interesting. It's very detailed. There's a lot of geography and mapping out that we could, if we were in an intense study and we were at a college level class, we would take a map and we would map it out. You can do that. And it's really interesting because most of the conflict in the Middle East is over what? It's over who the land belongs to. And they're fighting over, and and there are. It really goes back all the way back to uh, Ishmael and Isaac, doesn't it? In which uh, God had told Abraham that he would have a son that would inherit this land, and instead of waiting upon God and trusting Him, um, he uh, had a, a daughter with Hagar, or son with Hagar, named Ishmael. Well, God sent Ishmael 
uh, eastward to the desert, which, which basically was the beginning of the Muslim nations. And they trace, rightfully so, their heritage back to Abraham. However, that is not a right to the land. The land belongs to the tribes of Israel as laid out by God in these four chapters. So if, if, if we would trust God, boy, so many contentions would cease in the world today. Um, but it's also not to be taken lightly that that golden dome mosque, the Dome of the Rock, that Muslim mosque, lays right on the very place where the temple is supposed to be and the temple was. So there's not, there's more going on because there's judgment. Obviously it's Israel rejecting Christ, isn't it? And so, uh, let's look at, uh, verses two through four. They went from Bethel to Luz, passed along the border of Archites and Ataroth. They went down westward to the boundary of the Japhelites, as far as the boundary of the lower Beth Hora and Gizar, and it ended at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, took their inheritance. So chapter 16 is basically the dividing line for Joseph. Now, Joseph, his land that he was given and designated to him was split in two to his sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so that's what we're looking at in this chapter. So again, the double portion to Joseph. Uh, this is also interesting because Joshua is from the tribe of, Eph he's from, he's an Ephraimite. And so this is more, it's kind of close to him as he goes. But I want you to look down at verse 10. Let's start in verse 9. The separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh and all the cities with their villages. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gizar. But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. So let's, what we're going to do as we go through these chapters, we're going to stop at pivotal verses in each chapter. In this pivotal verse, what's the problem here? They did not follow God's direction. We read that from Deuteronomy, that they were supposed, in, in, in that verse in Deuteronomy 20, the, uh, the Canaanites are mentioned by name, that they're not to let a breathing thing. So if you look at the verse carefully, what did they do with these Canaanites? Instead of destroying them or killing them, what did they do? They made them slaves. So there are reasons why they didn't obey God. And we don't, we're not really privy to God telling us what the reasons were, but we can make a couple of assumptions. What would be some reasons why they wouldn't? Well, the number one thing would be fear. But they've made them forced laborers. So I don't know that fear would be it. I My first go-to is fear because that would be the reason I wouldn't do something. When, when I have struggled obeying God, it's 
almost always out of fear. I love God so much. I love him. I really want to do what's best for him. But sometimes he asks us to do things that are out of our zone of comfort, if you want to say. And and there have been times in my years of being a Christian that I was just fearful, fearful of of standing up to my mother or fearful of standing up to this person or going to that visit or 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 being bold enough in my faith, especially in my younger days. Um, so fear could definitely be it. Um, what could be other reasons? Very good. Greed was the next one on the list. There's there's a greed there of of getting the work done, using them as forced labor in order to grow more crops or do the things that they would do. And so they saw a financial profit to it. It may have just been laziness. Let them do the work and not us. Uh, either or any of those reasons, none of them are good enough. Amen? None of them. Uh, and And does this cost them later on? Absolutely. We're going to see the gods of the Canaanites still around in chapter 24 of Joshua. They just didn't do what God said. And because of that, they took on many of their children and grandchildren are going to be taking on the idol worship of the Canaanites. And they're just always going to be a pain in the neck to the Israelites, always. And so, man, when God is directing you and, and you need to get rid of things, get rid of them. Um, chapter 17. Uh, there was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, and the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore he was given Gilead and Bashan. And there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, for the children of Abiezar, and the children of Helech, and the children of Azrael, and the children of Shechem, and the children of Hephar, and the children of Shemida. These were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. But Zelophead, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mature, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters. So we get to verse 3 and we see a problem. And the problem is that these inheritance to their sons, he didn't have any sons. Well, the good thing is they do have scripture so turn to numbers chapter 27 and this is one of the reasons why going through this verse by verse we can see how all of the things that happened even in the wilderness are now coming to fruition so we're going to see in a little bit complaining of the israelites now, the Israelites are certainly champions when it comes to complaining and murmuring. And what does the scripture say about murmuring and complaining? Do all things without murmuring and complaining. However, it doesn't mean that there are not valid questions to raise within a ministry. If you say, if, if we come in on a Sunday morning and it's... <coughs> you know, 30 degrees outside and we don't turn the heater on and everybody's freezing. 
and you come to me and say, Pastor, we need to turn the heat on. It's really cold in here. That's not murmuring or complaining, right? What Does anybody remember why the, the and I think it's Acts 7, why the office of deacons was was ever introduced? Perfect. In the church was growing more rapidly than they anticipated, and the Hellenists' widows were being neglected. And it's part of the church's job to to care for the widows, but it was growing. And so the apostles, uh, through the movement of God, appointed seven deacons, including Stephen and Philip, that would take care of the tables, and and so that the apostles could be uh, ministering, praying, and preaching the word. And so that became an office of God. So when they came to the apostles and said, the widows are being neglected, was that complaining and murmuring? No, it was a legitimate problem. The church was not fulfilling one of its duties. So I mentioned that because in all the way back in Numbers 27... The daughters of Zelophead, the son of Hephor, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and these were the names of his daughters, Melah, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. So they went before Moses. So this is long before Moses died. Maybe not long before, but before Moses died. And they came to Eleazar the priest. And before the leaders and all the congregation by the doorposts of the tabernacle, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord, in the company with Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. What was his sin? Not the faith to go into the promised land. He was one, because if he died in the wilderness, then he came out of Egypt but he sided with the ten spies that said we shouldn't go. Okay, so they come to the spiritual leaders to solve a problem. We learn something else by this. In the big picture, by lots, Manasseh got this land, uh, Ephraim got this land, Judah got this land, Dan got this land. But within those lands, the people also got parts of this land. So there was. this is a very detailed, complicated, amazingly orchestrated miracle of God to place everybody where they need to be by sovereignty. How does that apply to us? We are sovereignly by lot of God placed in the places that we end up. We can all go back and look at our life and be amazed at how we got to where we got. I had a really um, enjoyable time Saturday night, but it was it was fun talking to Silas and Stephanie about how they met, and and when Liz and I talk about how we met and then how we ended up in Lagrande, it's just a miracle of God and how He maneuvers and 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 that's the lot, you know, and so <coughs> they go to Moses with a legitimate problem: our dad is dead. We're going in. We're going to have no place to live because we're not sons. And so under the law, 
We can't inherit any piece of land. What are we supposed to do? So, verse 4, Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family? Because he had no son. Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Isn't that good? Let's go to the Lord. In all they ways acknowledge God, he'll direct your path. They go to God. That's a, this is a good question. What do we do in this situation, God? And the Lord spoke, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad, speak what is right. You will surely give a possession and inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. You shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, you will cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. No daughter, you give the inheritance to his brothers. No brothers, give the inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to a relative closest to him, and his family shall possess it. It shall be through the children of Israel a statute of judgment, just as the Lord commanded Moses. So going into the land, they had the problem solved. So in now we get to Joshua 17, and here come the girls. Okay, verse 4, they came to Eleazar, the priest before Joshua, the son of Nun, before the rulers, saying... The Lord commanded Moses, give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance. This is really a great thing. When you have a question that comes up, not murmuring or complaining, the first place you go to is where? You go to the scriptures. You go to God. Does it solve that issue? Is there an issue and and you know there are all kinds of different opinions about it. Let me, I'll give one controversial subject I'll throw out there and and you can debate with us later if you want to but if you take the subject of whether a woman should be a pastor that's debated and debated and debated and yet if you go to scripture there's some pretty clear verses about the fact that God doesn't want that so we can debate it all we want, but if we already have, we can debate whether or not homosexuality is okay or not okay. You can debate it all you want, but it's not a debate. We can debate till the Lord returns whether a woman has a right to take her fetus and kill it because it's her body. You can debate it all we want, but don't we already know the answer? There's answers we already know from the scriptures. And so... The ones you don't know, they casted lots to get God's sovereign will. But in this particular case, this was a very easy solve because they had the writings of Moses to go back to. And guess what? So do we. We have the writings of Moses. And I, I'm telling you, we've talked about this before, but there are way too many churches that have the Bible here and the bylaws here. And the church bylaws are this thick. And the Bible's this thick. And I've, I've seen people do things. I was in a church one time years ago. And they had in their bylaws that they were going to have seven deacons. The reason they had that in their bylaws is because they picked seven deacons in the book of Acts. However, aren't there qualifications for a deacon? Well, the church only had... 
they had a falling out and split, and the church probably had about 30 people in it. You're not going to find seven qualified deacons among 30 people. But they had to have seven. And they just said, hey, Jack, you want to do it? Billy, you want to do it? And you got to do it. We don't. That's not. The bylaws was placed over the scriptures. And you got to be careful that you don't do that. All right. Stay in chapter 17. How are we doing? Almost doing pretty good. Verse 13. It happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor but did not utterly drive them out. So they did the same thing. Ephraim and Manasseh both did the same thing. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit? Since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now. So we have a people right now who are disobeying God by not eliminating the Canaanites. And now their question is more of a complaint than a problem. What is their complaint? Ah, we didn't get our lands too. By the way, these lands were given by lot. So if they were given by lot, then it was God who, you know, the lots are cast into lap, which means you throw that bottle marble into your lap, but it's God who determines the... So, but Joshua's answer is really good. Joshua answered them, If you're a great people, then go to the forest country and clear a place for yourself. There in the land of the Perizzites and the, and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. If, you're, if it's too small, you got all that forest in that land. Just go get it. Perizzites are there. Just go take it from them. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in there have chariots of iron, both those who are of Sheen and the towns and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. So to get this expanded land, they were going to have to do two things. They were going to have to defeat the Canaanites and the Jezreelites who are there, and they're going to have to clear the forest. It's going to take some work. But they could do it. And they could have the expanded land. And Joshua is basically telling them, you're making a great point. If you want the land, go get it. And what they say? We can't. They got chariots. Well, what we read in Deuteronomy? Don't fear those who have chariots. And so... It's, it's hard for me to, to go to this spot, but there are, on a Wednesday crowd, we can probably talk about this, but there are people who are going to come to you to ask you to help them in their spiritual walk. And you're going to say things to them like, well, when was the last time you went to church? And they're going to say something to you about, well, I don't really like church. I'm not really comfortable there. Well, then what, what am I supposed to do to help you? Or you would say to them, well, you know what? If you, if you just get into your Bible and start praying, I don't get anything out of that book. I just, I try reading it, but there's, I just, it, I fall asleep. How else can I get God's favor? You don't want to go to church. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray. 
If you don't want to clear out the trees and you don't want to go get rid of the people with the chariots, I can't help you get more land. I'm not going to reward your disobedience. They've already not did what they were supposed to do. And now they're not trusting God when he told them not to fear the chariots. And counseling people is part of what we do. But it's really difficult. When people, there's not a verse that says God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. But read your Bibles. Go to church. Pray. It's not more complicated than that. The problem is, I was listening to the conversation the other day, and there was a person speaking about Benny Hinn, and he was he was trying to share. Uh, the false doctrine that Benny Hinn was was preaching. And he was attacked by these two Christians saying that he was wrong because God isn't... We're supposed to love everyone, and God is just love. And he said, Benny Hinn is a false teacher because this is how he says you get to heaven. How do you say you get to heaven? And they say, no one knows how to get to heaven. But God just loves everybody. We don't have to know how to get to heaven. We just have to know that God loves us no matter what. Well, that's a terrible little debate going back and forth, isn't it? And so these two are attracted to churches that preach that type of message. That you don't have to do any work. You don't have to study to show yourself and to prove unto God you don't have to pray without ceasing you don't have to take up your cross and follow me you don't have to repent and turn from your wicked ways all you got to do is just show up and sing and God loves you you got to go and defeat the chariots and you got to go cut down the trees and then everything God has for you is available to you give and it shall be given unto you pressed down shaken together overflowing Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Aren't there things in those verses we're supposed to do? We have to give to unlock the press down shaken together. We have to seek God first to unlock all these things being added unto you. Isn't that true? And you have to go there and cut the trees down if you want more land. And you have to go and defeat the chariots like God said to do if you want that land. And I love how Joshua, he said, I'm not going to give you any more because I can only give you what God said to give you. But man, you've got potential for an amazing amount of land if you'll do the work. And there is potential for an amazing relationship with God if we do what we're supposed to do. It's, it's a potential for everybody. But most people won't do it. Most people won't. I don't know. And I, it, it floors me. Uh, verse 17, Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, you have great power, you shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Even though it's wooded, you shall cut down, and its farthest extent shall be yours, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. So he encouraged them. And when I read that verse, I just went, man, that is what we do. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Well, I really want, I'm just not feeling the presence of God. I really want to feel God's presence. Study. Get into the Word. 
go to church, find a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, find fellowship with Christians. Those are the ways the Bible teaches to grow in Christ. If you don't do those things, then you're not going to get down. And he says he doesn't tell them. He doesn't feel sorry for them. He doesn't really berate them either. He just says, hey, you're great people. You're strong. You got Jesus. You got the, not Jesus, but you got God. He's with you. Go. Take it. He said not to fear the chariots. Are they going to go? Maybe. Some do, right? Some you can really encourage. And some you pray for years and years and years frustrated because they're not taking the counsel. Chapter 18. Now the whole congregation of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up a tabernacle of the meeting there and the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes that had not yet received their inheritance. Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go possess the land which the Lord God your fathers gave to you? So the lots were cast, the lands were given, but some were just slacking, backsliding if you want to call it, lukewarm. And he says, look at how long are you going to wait? And so in this, they get together and they encourage the seven other tribes that didn't go yet to go get their land. Um, look at verse um, 4. Pick out from among you three men for each tribe. I'll send them. They'll rise and go to the land. Survey it according to their inheritance and come back to me. All right, it's time for you guys to move. Everybody, all you seven tribes, pick three men and go to the land that's supposed to be yours. See what needs to be done. Come back. Go to your people and go get your land. That's what we do. We tell people every day how to grow in Christ, how to know Him as their Lord and Savior, how to witness, how to preach, how to do all those things, how to pray. The scripture has all those answers for us. I'll look at verse 10. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land of the children of Israel according to their divisions. So Joshua moves those along. And in chapter 18, all of those tribes, it's just where they went, the land they got. You can map it out and look at it. Which brings us to chapter 19. Um, I'm going to apologize to you here. I have... I really wanted to get a, a deeper study of, of verse 1 of chapter 19. Any input you have would be great. But the second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Now Judah received the biggest uh, geographical area of land, including the capital of Jerusalem eventually. And Simeon's land was within that land. They really didn't get their own. And that goes all the way back to Joseph. And if we, we're not going to take that turn right now. But what's that? Okay, I thought I said. Okay, so, uh, but it's interesting. I wanted to point that out that it's interesting that Simeon was within the land of Judah. Was in the land of Judah. Uh, verse 9 of chapter 19. The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. For the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of 
that people. So there was much more land than Judah could even cover. So God allowed Simeon to be within that land in that way. Go ahead, Art. Yes, and and of course Judah is a tribe of Christ, and and that's why I said I I, I wish I had. I think it's a whole nother lesson of of going back to the decisions by the men when Joseph was thrown into the pit, and those men they all kind of made different decisions. Some wanted to kill him, and and because of that, a lot of them. Uh, lost some of their inheritance and some of their privileges. So it is interesting. So they were kind of melded into Judah. Go ahead, Carol. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, there, in, I, there has to be more to that that I'm going to share tonight, and I would encourage you to study that out and and uh, we could go another half an hour if I had that information. So you, that's probably why God didn't. I just I looked for it. I just didn't find it. Um, which brings us to verse forty nine. This is really beautiful, and it should be a lesson for us all. So when they had made an end, verse forty nine of chapter nineteen. When they made an end. Um, to the dividing of the land as an inheritance according to their borders the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun so Joshua waits everybody's got their place everybody that's what these four chapters are about and like Carol said you can look at the map and you can go see all of it in detail and then at the very end Joshua Paul says, I am not bound to any man, but I have made myself a servant to all. God gives grace to uh, the humble, but he resists the proud. He waited till everyone, and look at verse 50. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath Sarah in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. It is the very land where the cave of Machpelah is, and it is where Abraham was buried, Sarah was buried, Isaac was buried, Jacob's bones were buried. It's one of the most sacred little pieces of land in that whole region. And it's the land, by the way, it's not very um, profitable financially as far as land and and barren. I was reading some writings this week from a um, pastor who had visited the place and said, it's just barren there's not much there he compared it to when um, Abraham and Lot were going to divide their lands and Lot turned to the land that was more profitable and Abraham humbly took the land that wasn't and the result was Sodom and Gomorrah for Lot and the blessings of God for Abraham Um, it is it always pays to be humble. It just always does. And Joshua waited and got a very blessed piece of land that that he inherited. Um, 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who should live should live no longer for themselves, but for the one who died for them and rose again. So we're not here to build empires. We, we might be blessed by God financially. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are here to serve Christ. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. And so Joshua put the interest of others first, God first. The lot fell where they did, and once he had everybody taken care of, he got his. Very humbly. And that there's a lesson there for all of us. Because Joshua would be considered... Um, one of the stronger men in the faith. We see a lot of men fail and stumble. Solomon at the end. Moses had some problems. And and with Joshua, there's very little. He, he's really strong most of the, all the way through. That brings us to 51, and we'll close with this. And see, we did it. These were the inheritance which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of Israel divided as inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle. So they made an end to dividing the country. And your also, you also, the Bible says, has an inheritance reserved in heaven for you, kept by the power of God. And it's just... Um, as firm as if you're there today serve the lord enjoy the blessings of life and when it's time for you to get there and, and give that land whatever it is up in heaven that he's prepared a place for you it's waiting for you it's waiting for you divided and set for you and that's your promised land so it's coming but for now be like joshua just wait be patient enjoy life serve the lord Tell people about them. Help them know the same God that you know. And then stand before God and, and have them say, well done. And see what kind of lot you get. You know, I don't think I'll care, but it doesn't matter to me. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you, Father. And Lord, forgive me. There's so much details in these four chapters. And so much of it is just mapping it out. I don't mean to skip anything important. I don't mean to be lazy or 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 holding back. Uh, but God, there are some important things, Lord, within these chapters that we wanted to point out. I, Lord, I do feel directed by you this week in this study, and I pray that that you are pleased with it. If not, please forgive me. And Lord, we just thank you, God, that we um, have the opportunity to go and get our uh, walk with you stronger. If we're willing to do the work, cut down the trees, uh, face the chariots, that Lord you'll be with us and we will grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for it in Jesus' name.